0: Going out for the first time since lockdown, and you know, being a bit taken aback by the prices of beer and things like that. And it's 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 not the prices went up. It's just kind of just we just forgot because we've been buying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've been getting six, six for twenty four dollars <laughs> rather than two for twenty four dollars. Totally, yeah. <laughs>
1: Radio Brews News is proudly presented by CryoMalt. With over 25 years in the field, CryoMalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud sponsors of this. And this is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. And uh, welcoming back, uh, Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Thank you, Pete. And the – no, I won't make up anything. But anyway, we've got uh, Claire Burnett and we've got Jimmy Gold. G'day, guys. Hey, Pete. G'day, Pete. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Claire. Yeah. What's the tea? What's the tea? <laughs> no, mate. Just I, no, I am nothing if not um, you an, an honest and genuine <laughs> person. And uh, where I am corrected, I'm more than happy to admit, oh, yeah, no, I, I I stand corrected. And I did not, I had not heard of what's the tea and didn't know the meaning behind it. And so when the ideas for the episode title came up, and was, oh, well, let's do what's, Joe, I think, suggested our producer, what's the tea? I said, what do you mean, what's the tea? Is that And – I'm automatically oh, thinking of, you know, Yorkshire property references like that, and that yeah. sort of thing well, that's to then find out. Right, no, yeah. it's what the young kids say. It's like, you know, so what's the – spill the beans.
2: Yeah, because you so have I, a cup of tea while you're having a got it.
1: And the reason, the way that I found out that it was it was in fact a correct, you know, urban dictionary translation was that uh, over dinner uh, I asked my year 11 and year 9-aged uh, girls, I just said – just out of the blue, I said, uh, I guess what's the tea? And the look, the eye roll they gave me, as if you don't speak that language as I, <laughs> I knew then and there. I haven't heard that. You nailed it. <laughs> You've
0: not heard what's the tea? No, I don't know what that is.
3: I hadn't heard uh, it either. Joe suggested it on, and guys. I had to go – Pretty much did exactly. Well, the same I wonder did,
1: so. at the risk at the risk of um, uh, drawing anything along gender lines, is that maybe a, a female thing? Nah. Do girls have Watch the team? and just... guys go sup? Or, a, no, you're out, a
2: touch age. It's gotta be an that's age. Thing. thing.
0: And I think by you saying it it's now just become uncool, so to <laughs> be <Yeah. nice>.
2: everybody <laughs> in the world under the age of thirty. Can't use that's what tea it means. See, I'm just
0: just
1: over thirty, so
2: <laughs> oh, just a touch.
1: I hadn't hadn't heard. All oh, right, yeah. my my job <laughs> for this week is to kill hashtag Netflix and chill.
2: Oh, that's gonna, that's gone uh, though, Pete. Wow. That's oh, is no it? Oh, over what, that, yeah. uh, what what
1: what's the cool stuff now then, Claire? And I will kill it.
2: <laughs> um, by, but by, I'm not going to tell just you just by, adopt it. It, just by adopting it. Yeah, because he's just going to ruin it. He's going to be <laughs> walking
3: <laughs> around with his pop collar and his boat shoes, <laughs> oh, uh, <God>. uh, <laughs> just dropping whatever uh, <laughs> seltzer in one uh, hand. Wait
2: till he's on TikTok, see what happens. Oh, wow. And speaking
3: of seltzer, Jimmy, you've just brought us back onto uh, onto uh you know the, the topic which is actually the drinks business um, so pete how about you talk us through the news headlines for the week
1: well i feel like throwing to the uh the seltzer story first but we'll go in order because you know we've all rehearsed it you know, just like we did in practice guys um the changing landscape for casual workers in hospitality is our first story one of the hardest hit sectors during the COVID 19 pandemic has been hospitality with the food and beverage service industry's seven hundred and twenty five thousand odd workers bearing the brunt as venues shut down over 2.3 million people were affected by job loss or reduced hours in May, according to the Bureau of Statistics, and in the same month, the number of unemployed people in Australia rose by about 80,000 to 927,000. Uh, now, the interesting thing is, um, I guess, people talking about the future of casual work, and we had a quote from um, uh, Luke Butler, who's from a mob called Hastings. Hastings um, people, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, yep. recruitment uh, there will be more focus placed on casual staff in lieu of full-time staff to give them that flexibility. So if there's another wave, employers will want to have less fixed staff. Um, And I think as the fact that that is a result of COVID, but I think it's also, I think it's been coming, having spent most of my time in hospitality, I've seen the changes. And I've got to tell you, um, the change to casual workforce was uh, pretty much generated, certainly in hospitality, going back 20, 30 years, um, by the staff. It was the desire to either work multiple jobs or have um, the flexibility to study and that sort of thing. Apart from your um, probably management and I guess it's probably more the kitchen than front of house, um, you tend to have the the full-timers there. Um, So this is is an interesting one for me.
3: Funnily enough, Pete, that was exactly what gave rise to to this story idea. You know, look, a lot of the stories that we do, we, we try and avoid just doing news by press release. And this was a story that came about as a result with a couple of um, brewery owners and uh, bar owners, particularly around the time the um, decision came out around paying casual staff some of the, you know, uh, holiday... Job keeper. Job, you know, No, um, there was a decision about um, casual staff who were working regular hours being paid um, holiday leave and sick leave, um, which has always been built in to the casual rate, but the, the, the High Court found, I think it was the High Court found that they were entitled to accrue those things a, as well. And, uh, you know, so I was speaking to a couple of uh, breweries about it, and it is one of those things that, you know, what you, you've got the unions on one side saying it is, you know, shitty bosses forcing casualisation upon the workforce – but then you speak to a lot of small business owners and they're saying, well, look, we've got a casualized workforce and we've offered most of our long-term staff permanent positions. But it's their choice to stay as casuals because they like the flexibility that it, that it brings and also the you know extra money that comes in. So I, I'm sure there are problems on both sides of the equation, but it was just very, very interesting to see how that meets during COVID. And uh, you know, it's, it's one of the reasons we're excited to have Jimmy back this week because I know Jim um, has worked as a casual and as a, as a full time and has suffered as a result of COVID. So what, what's your experience, Jim? Well, I'm still on stand
0: down. So I think we're three months in now.
3: Did you get JobKeeper? You hadn't been there long enough, had you? Oh no, yeah,
0: because I yeah I was on, what am I on? JobSeeker. JobSeeker? Still, yeah. So anyone that was, what was it, 12 months or less was on, got stood down and didn't get JobKeeper. So yeah. Um, but I think that's that's kind of always the case in hospitality, at least in my experiences. It's, you only have a few full-timers anyway and then the rest are just sort of casuals and that's probably a combination yeah, and
1: it yeah it's the nature of the business it's the nature of um we were told uh as a you know a young 18 year old i can remember the um look it doesn't matter what qualification you get but if you can learn to work in hospitality because you can travel anywhere around the world no matter where you go people will eat so there it's there will always be jobs you know behind a bar or in a restaurant and that sort of thing and um so as a result yeah the the workforce tends to be casualized because you take advantage of your seasonal, um, you know, it's just it's it's uh, fiscally impossible to employ all full time staff and then have to pay them all, uh, you know, during winter. For example, if you're a a Sunshine Coast venue, when when the the tourists aren't there, so it's always been that way. It will be interesting to see how businesses, as a result of the effects of COVID, uh, look at you know the way that they, because. The one thing I don't want to underplay here is the fact that every decent business and every decent manager of every decent business knows that his people are his greatest resource. Um, so good staff will always be looked after. Um, and ours will always be there for the ones who, who, who I guess, you know, deserve them. That's, you know, meritocracy. That's the whole, um, you know, basis of our um, free market system. So uh, it will be interesting to say, what happens um, going down the track.
3: What, what's your feeling, Jim? Like, again, would you prefer to work casual um, and maintain casual hours or would you prefer to be on a on a salary, regular regular hours and the benefits that accrue Funnily with that?
0: enough, I've always, the whole time I've worked in hospitality, I've always been on a salary because I've always been in some sort of management position and that's generally the case. You, you rarely get a manager that's a casual worker um, and this is the first time I've been casual um, ever but... Yeah, I would prefer to be full-time, but then again, I'm playing at, you know, I guess the top end of the field where I'm looking after venues and not just bartending or whatever.
3: Um, well, from a management point of view then, would you prefer, like, would, would you put staff on permanent positions or is casualisation just the way that hospitality has to run?
0: Yeah, I've... Casual, usually most of the um, staff I've ever had have been happy to be casual as long as they're getting enough hours to make meet their financial needs. So, yeah, most... In my experience, most of the workers like being casual. Um and then you get some people that want to go on full time, but generally they're the ones who are career hospo. you know, they want to work thirty eight hours a week, they want to become duty managers or function coordinators or whatever the case is. So there's those people who are kind of sticking around and um trying to make a career out of it and they're not at uni, they're not looking to travel in six months, they're 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 you know, they wanna be ingrained in the business. So yeah, and I think it's just a discussion with the with the employee. But um, I've never been against it if it makes sense. But I've rarely been asked for someone uh, by someone who was working, you know, thirty hours a week that they wanted to go pro and go full time. It mm. just doesn't really happen. So
2: I wonder if that'll change though after COVID, because obviously everyone has lost their livelihoods throughout this period, and hopefully they've been buoyed by JobKeeper, Job Seeker, etc. But there is a difference between casual work and part time. Like permanent work, so I wonder if people end up asking for more part-time permanent work because obviously you get a set amount of hours a week, but it's not that full time, so you can study or you can have another job or whatever. But you have the security that a more permanent employee would have, because um, I know. But just before I left the UK a couple of years ago, we everyone was kicking off about zero-hour contracts and how mm. they were. There was big court cases going on about were they permanent employees, even though they were on zero hours. Um, and and zero-hour
3: contracts. It? The first time I heard that was when I spoke to. Uh, Kelvin at BrewDoc, um because we don't have them. We we have mm. casual, where you can work, not get any shifts, mm-hmm. um, essentially, which is the same thing as yeah, a zero hour yeah. contract, is it?
2: Yeah, but just from what I understand, it's yeah. just
3: not a, not a term that's used here.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that and that that was the big issue over there, and I think we might end up after COVID seeing people if they're more educated in what they can demand from an employer, and I wonder if employers would be more keen on getting a par- permanent part time. Rather than a casual, but then what's the definition? And that's a million
3: dollar question, yeah. though, because you know one of the things I've talked uh, about a lot during COVID is you know this downturn is the first significant downturn or you know, potential downturn that Australia's had in over thirty years. Yeah, and you didn't
2: even get the recession in like two thousand and 2009 We, we, did we, you? we didn't,
3: um, and you know there, it used to be the saying you know America sneezes and we catch the cold, but <laughs> we seem to have um, ducked those for a long time, and so anyone who's you know. You're pointing it to to you two, like who, who are both in the youth, you know, late twenties, <laughs> early thirties. Um, but you haven't seen uh, a recession in in Australia, and you know you sort of pick up that that does influence your point of view about work and things. And you know, I, I bought uh, my first house when interest rates had gone down to. And, you know, I was working in the Queensland government when they were setting a target of, an unemployment target of bringing the unemployment down to, you know, 5% was a really, really optimistic stretch target. Um, And, you know, in in the early 90s, every cab driver was an architecture student or a geologist. And so there's a generation of people who grew up seeing those things that we haven't seen, you know, almost for for, for 30 years and so a, a whole generation of hospitality workers um, have had their fill of jobs to to pick and choose from by and large um, and so I wonder whether what Claire's saying will you know as people suddenly realize well there is no guarantee that there will be jobs there is no guarantee and things like this can happen mm-hmm. I like the security yeah. of a um
2: exactly job security has become much more important knowing how close we all are to be having it taken away at the drop of a hat basically
1: Yep, no, and look at the end of the day, it's all about consensus. Um, I, as Matt just said, you know, when I first uh, signed, our first mortgage was eighteen and a half percent. So you we're looking at now. Tell the that today, Pete. Uh... And just don't believe you. But the thing is, you know, you can you can be the optimist that sees the glass as half full, or the the pessimist that sees it as half empty. It's all irrelevant. It's all about perspective. It's did the glass start out empty? Did it start out full? Or was it half full? You've mm. you've really got to, I guess, look at. Um, you know, where you've come. Um, and getting back to the permanent part-time that Claire mentioned, um, some of the best crews that I worked with were where you had the guys who uh, were working, knew their uh, their lectures and their tutes um, who were studying. And so taking them from casual and saying, well, look, how about if I give you the same shifts every week and then one or two might might kind of rotate depending on when, when we've got big bookings or when it's Mother's Day and that, and that sort of thing. Um, and they, they loved it because they knew what their shifts were going to be. They got a little bit less in their pay packet day to day, but they accrued um, sick leave and, um, and annual leave as well. So I think what this has taught us is that we need to go back to a consensus model where, okay, that's fine. If you want to be casual because you want the extra dollars now, don't expect, you know, all the plum shifts. Mm-hmm. unless you're the you know the pick of the litter because you know the, at the end of the day the, if I've got to choose between three I've got two shifts to go and I've got you know three staff the guy is always turning up right on time and putting his apron on as he's you know, supposed to be clocking on is probably not the one who's going to get the um, the extra shifts so yeah we'll be interesting to see and we watch with um, bated breath being local keeping New Zealand brewers alive. Uh, A huge push to buy local in post lockdown New Zealand is paying dividends for small breweries, but only if they've done the hard yards with customers first. The interest in local producers is exemplified by the growth of a New Zealand-made products Facebook page launched during lockdown. What do we think of this one, guys?
3: Yeah, look, this came from our man across the Dutch. Um, just keep given that it looks like if we do get to travel internationally, it will be to New Zealand. Um, we've been sort of keeping a bit of an eye. And then also, um, you know, we are seeing a lot of, uh, you know, New Zealand beer coming across here. So, yeah, Michael, uh, that. I was just wondering how it was going and they're finding the same thing, um, you know investing in your backyard does pay dividends um uh, you know, when, when something like this happens we've seen the keeping local alive push here and new zealanders are, are very much finding support in their local communities as well
2: absolutely and um just for example like we did uh badlands brewery in regional new south wales last week and they had taken advantage of um you know going into the dan murphy's and um they'd obviously opened it up to to bring local producers in and Ha- the reaction of customers was apparently really good. like, And I don't think Tan Murphy's would keep um, uh, <laughs> a brewery, a some tiny little brewery's beers in if they weren't doing well. Um, and they're hoping that they'll that will continue on for the next year or a couple of years and see how it goes, maybe get some more listings in it. And I think that is the, the power of local and that's become much more important in... This kind of world.
1: It, it certainly, and we've we've spoken about it a few times in in recent episodes. That um, the focus on on local is is one of the upsides, I think, of of the whole lockdown. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important, especially as restrictions are lifting. It's a really funny time now, and I, I was reading someone commented in the Facebook group about um, going out for the first time since lockdown, and you know, being a bit taken aback by the prices of beer and things like that. And it's it's. Not the prices went up. It's just kind of just we just <laughs> forgot because we've been buying. <laughs> yeah, you've been getting yeah, mean, six, I mean, six, been six for twenty four dollars <laughs> rather than two for twenty four dollars. Totally, yeah. but it, it's 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 you know we're 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 starting to return to normal and, and bars and restaurants are, and breweries are reopening. But sorry, it's, Pete, it's really yeah, <laughs> not you. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Victoria, <laughs> <laughs> open the borders. Yeah, right. Um, but it's you know it's it's a it's still ongoing and supporting the, you know, especially the independent and local guys, it's so much more important now than ever because it's just weird, you know, as restrictions keep opening, places have to put on another staff member and another staff member, so operating costs go up. But people aren't really, I, don't, I think people are going back, but they're not racing back and there's certainly not a, people aren't back to normal and they're not going to be back to normal for a long time in terms of revenue and, and how business is going. So yeah, if you can vote with your dollars and put them towards people that don't have massive pockets and you know have been doing it really really tough it's it's more important now than ever I think.
1: Uh, and just to clarify um, down here in Victoria we are <laughs> smart asses um, <laughs> we are more than happy to take your poor your oppressed your huddled masses yearning to be COVID free and um, quarantine them all here and, and bear the brunt. Know, carry you guys, um, if it means that you guys all get to you know go back a, bit, a little bit earlier. So I don't think it's been
3: our huddled masses that have uh, mm, been
0: the problem, Peter.
2: Interesting. Just, yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm. <laughs> the mighty Tweed River. <laughs> it's basically a wall. <laughs> uh, Dollar Bill signs up to Black is Beautiful Global Initiative. Uh, Victoria's Dollar Bill Brewing, so based in uh, Ballarat. Uh, Fiona and Ed Nolly um, has signed up for the International Black is Beautiful fundraising effort with a beer that will see 100 percent of the profits going towards the Bale project. Uh, it's the first Australian brewery to join the Black is Beautiful community project, which encourages brewers to brew a, prescri- a prescribed stout. Uh, oh, pres- oh, okay, a prescribed stout, as in to a pres- prescribed recipe. I was thinking yeah. Dr. Thomas Cooper, who you know, <laughs> the doctor oh, yeah, it prescribed like that. Stout. one stout. stout. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Tim Cooper. My- Dr. Tim. Uh, Thomas, yeah, Thomas Cooper. I'm talking about 1862, when the uh, brewery uh, originally started. He was, started. He no, was he pres- yeah, it was the doctor prescribed stout? That's how he became a brewer oh, because no. his the, wife the was sick, and the
3: doctor said, the, "Give the him doctors." But yeah. that's, how the, that's how the sparkling hour came out.
2: Okay. Oh, here we
1: go. Let's not <laughs> fight in front of the children. <laughs> history, <laughs> history, wars.
2: <laughs> and no, donate the profits
1: to a charity of the brewer's choice. Weathered Souls Brewing Company in Texas provided the recipe for the stout base. So I guess similar to the um, altogether beer. Project where you have like a, a base yeah. recipe and then
3: brew yeah, beer and okay. do good. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And it, look, it was really good. We had a bit of a chat off air um, just as we were getting, uh, bringing you in, um, Pete, and we we're sort of talking about it's a little bit, um, you know, following the colonial situation, you know, it, we, we were saying how many comments came in that were really, really pro colonial, not in terms of how they handled it, but, you know, don't change your name, you know. Um, and it was actually really interesting to see that there is an undercurrent um, of people who, you know, are not only not sympathetic to the, the the change but are actively, you know, against it. And that's a shame. We've actually filtered a lot of comments on, on the, um, you know, Facebook and the, the website because we didn't want anything that was, um, you know... Flying a, a, a flag um, because it, it doesn't add to the to the conversation, but it was interesting to see whether there was going to be any backlash, ag- as there has been in the U.S. Um, against people you know like uh, Dollar Bill supporting a. Uh, um, cause like this. And I'm, I'm really pleased to say that there hasn't been. So there's been a lot of support for the initiative that they've taken, and there doesn't seem to have been a a, a blowback against it. Um, so uh, yeah, so good, good luck to them and uh, looking forward to trying this out.
2: Yeah, should be a good one. But Jimmy, we were talking about it, weren't we, about how people are saying that companies have a responsibility to get involved in these social issues. I think you mentioned Patagonia and things like that. But do businesses actually have a responsibility to wave the flag or join a cause if they don't feel like it. Well, the point Jimmy was making that
3: they're it. being pressured mm-hmm. to, to, to come out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: I think, yeah. I mean, is a massive company. But in terms of Dollar Bill, it's it's two people. And I think yeah. the other thing is I think we forget when we get involved with these things is businesses and companies are just people doing things. So, you know, I've met the Dollar Bill guys and they're absolutely mm-hmm. lovely human beings. They're and so I think, nice, aren't they? And I think it's important, you know, we're kind of in the face of this – huge human rights movement that's probably going to be the biggest human rights movement that happens in our lifetimes. And I think everyone's just trying to figure out how to do their
2: Yeah, like their navigate part. that.
0: Totally. And it's, you know, it's what do two, you know, white Australian brewers do to play their part? It's they can do nothing or they can do something. So mm-hmm. they're obviously choosing yeah. to do this, which is awesome. And, and I they think felt
2: so passionately about it as well. Like yeah, The way they even talk about it, like they really believe it. And totally. that makes it even better. Uh,
1: now, our next one, speaking of a topic that uh, might divide opinions, uh, Stone & Wood launches Sunley Seltzer. Fermentus, the independent beverages group behind Stone & Wood, has launched its own gluten-free hard seltzer called Sunley uh, as part of the group's first play in Australia's burgeoning seltzer market. Described as refreshing, gluten-free, vegan, and with less than three grams of sugar per can, Sunley is a no-nasties sparkling hard seltzer brewed with natural flavours in three variations. Davidson plum and berry, ginger and lemon, and blood orange and grapefruit. Reflecting the global health and wellness trend, suddenly stands as a premium health-conscious product with 90% less sugar than leading vodka RTD pre beverages. Discuss. Well, I know Jimmy's got some <laughs> strong opinions about um, this. He, he walked in. I'm just, I'm Jimmy. Like, Let's talk was, was about he, Was he clutching a six-pack or um, was he no, clenched fists? Four
0: packs. Fist? Four packs. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm all about it. I'm on the seltzer train. Why is that? Yeah, Helter, why? Helter, Helter seltzer. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I just think it's funny. I think it's funny how people are kind of thinking it's the second coming, but it's
1: like, they're going to
0: do all right. I don't think it's going to.
1: Well, in a, in a, in effect, Jimmy, um, and you know, in deference to your age, it is the second coming because as I say, when I was managing hospitality <laughs> venues, this new product came out called two dogs. Um, And, uh, Sub Zero and but it's no like different Le- to West Coast cooler the, the, the wine yeah.
3: the, the wine coolers yeah. so you know it's just well it was a,
1: a, it was kind of like a it was look, to be perfectly Francis it was pushed as a manly version of wine coolers mm. um, so you had the West Coast cooler you had the what became Bacardi Breezes and that sort of thing but oh, it was basically a, you know fizzy breezes. wine you know, Absolutely. fruity, fizzy wine. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, you know, blokes aren't going to want to drink that. But if you, you know, back in the days before we were over beer, um, you would then go, oh, well, I'll, I'll have a, you know, bourbon and dry or whatever. So, oh, well, how about, you know, Two Dogs or yeah. uh, Sub-Zero? I and think that's it. I it think- kind of came and went fairly quickly because I think, I, I don't know whether it was that the market wasn't ready for a, a new product or, they, you know, it, it's, sort of, uh, it's it's no more refreshing than beer and back then it was it was called hard lemonade rather than hard seltzer, so I guess maybe there was that, you know, it's, a, it's an immature drink or it's sweet and therefore must be high in calories, I'll stick to beer. But we've been getting a bit of stick,
3: uh, you know, you know, good-naturedly, from our, from our listeners. You know, it's become a bit of a meme talking about, um, uh, you know, seltzers. But, you know, 12, 18 months ago when, when we started, it was because it was quite clearly a thing. And, you know, it was huge in the US. Um, you had you know, even had white claw shortages. And it was always going to happen here. And tweet from Josh Knoll, who's an uh, American beer writer, um, on, on Twitter. Um, as reported by uh, Beer Insights, Truly Hard Seltzer, which is Boston Beer's seltzer, was 52% of their dollar sales for a recent four-week period. Twisted Tea, which was another huge product for them, uh, was 24%. Angry Orchard, their cider, almost 11%. So Boston Beer, which is the biggest craft brewery in outside of the, the, the traditional breweries, but the modern craft brewery in the US, um, just 13% of their output was beer, about 11% for Sam Adams and 2% for other brands, including Dogfish Head. So, you know, when you look at... The promise that craft beer had was it's going to change the industry. Craft beer is going to become everything there is, um, which is what we were told, you know, five, ten years ago. Um, and you're starting to see the biggest craft breweries hit that glass ceiling that they just don't seem to be able to find growth in their core product. These are the products that they're they're pushing. And, you know, again, that's why, you know, anything that Stone and Wood do is worth watching because they are the, you know, Boston beer or the dogfish head in in Australia. They're big when they make a
1: decision. I was going to ask, does uh, the fact that Fermentis have have launched it um, but under the Stone and Wood um auspices give well, it they haven't done give it more, more legitimacy
3: yeah no no suddenly drinks is um a whole other oh, company i know that yeah.
1: but the thing our, our story says stone and wood launched suddenly seltzer Well, that All was our the, that was us editorializing um, it because oh, yeah.
3: most people okay. on the market don't know fermentum
1: but, but the other thing too is that yeah you know, like uh, i think daniel ridd posted um on our facebook group that he happened to be in the bottle shop when it was arriving and said the stone and wood rep has just bought in some Sunly seltzer so it's it's I think that it's deliberate that they're, they're not distancing it from Stone and wood because I think oh, I it's they're hoping it will give it some legitimacy that perhaps uh, other, other brewers might not attach to it. Uh, Daniel Reid on the Facebook group, as I suggested, uh, his comment, Matt, was not what I expected and I can see the appeal. Not sickly sweet like an RTD, lovely aromas, but restrained flavours. These would definitely be refreshing on a hot day. Would I buy it? No, but I'm not the target market for this. At least now I know what the fuss is about.
3: He makes a good point. You you know, don't get upset about it if it's not your um, cup of tea. Um, It's not for you, but it does provide, um, you know, in the same way that craft breweries Always made a cider for people that didn't want beer. It's just a, you know, uh, a buttressing. Mm-hmm. I, I guess what their core yeah. business is,
2: and yeah. especially because in a, in a lot, if a lot of breweries have a venue, they've got to cater for a hell of a lot more people than necessarily just like beer. If you're a craft beer fan, you bring your family in or you bring your mates in. Not all of them necessarily like beer, and so the, that that brewer will want to have an alternative for them that would like that would be like any other normal restaurant or whatever to have that extra. Like diversified brand product range, it just it just makes sense. I yeah. know it's annoying and people don't like it, but
0: and it's like the um, there's a few sort of breweries that just have tap rooms that don't necessarily, or they, they either can't stock spirits or they don't want to stock spirits. So that this is another good alternative that they can make and sell
2: mm-hmm.
0: over their bar, which just yeah ticks another mm-hmm. box. Yeah, but exactly. yeah, I don't think I think the thing that people, at least in the craft beer world, people are thinking it's gonna you know. Breweries are going to start making these seltzers and they're going to stop making IPAs. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, there's, there's this real sort of fear around them, but it's like, no, no, it's yeah. fine. It's all okay, good. Yeah. Like, <laughs>
2: It's just extra, not instead uh, of. Yeah. yeah, and that's it's the thing.
3: Like with thing. some of the juicy IPAs or the, you know, um, sweetened uh, sours, you know, the, the, there's the, the gap between what is a seltzer, you know, a fruited yeah. seltzer and what is a, know, you know, right. like a, a… Like
2: the gatherer and someday by Brick Lane we had… We got a few sent through, and I was like, "This doesn't taste like beer in the slightest. This tastes more like closer to a gin and tonic than anything else."
3: Which again is great, like great for business. Mm. But as I keep coming back to, um, you know, it doesn't exactly fire the passions for the category the way that craft beer, you know, really had adherence. It had a really solid mass of people who were willing to argue about things like craft and independence and you know i I don't think people care about whether my seltzer is independent (laughs) and that's how the small breweries are going to grow but also it you know erodes that passion base um behind small breweries that that really kick-started the uh the the craft beer industry the steakhouse
0: has always got to sell a salad you know it's just like it's just that extra little add-on thing and yeah it's i don't know they are healthier though (laughs)
3: <laughs> Are they? Uh, I, I think he's sort of.
0: Well, no. I mean, I looked it up, and I think when people talk, it's It'll always it's always healthy. really funny to to read and hear about healthy alcoholic drinks because <laughs> it's such a yeah. Just accept it. It's guys. not it's a. Not healthy. It's not. a thing. It's not <laughs> the same as
3: taking. It's not the same as having a Barocca I mean, <laughs> just just because your wheat beer's got vitamin B in
0: it. When someone brings out like a, a protein shake stout. That's
3: uh, like, sign me mm. up. But it's not going to happen because it's... It's,
2: it's, it's got alcohol. Well. By the time
3: you drink, you know, enough to get any health benefits of the nutrients in it. You,
2: oh, you yeah. waste
3: yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, well, well it's going to sort
0: of hurt you Well, I think the thing, way. I think what they're saying is it's not necessarily it's adding health benefits. It's just not giving you as many calories in the form of sugars and yeah. carbohydrates, which if is true because it's only... It's 70, 70 calories per can for most of them, which is half of what you get from a bottle of beer. But I mean...
3: And that's all coming from the alcohol rather than the, the carbohydrates yeah. or, or anything else. The, the thing that I noticed about this um, on that is, again, um, you know, Stone and Wood, and I'll just sort of read the media release, uh, refreshing, gluten-free, vegan, and with less than three grams of sugar per can, suddenly is a no-nasty sparkling hard seltzer brewed with natural flavors in three variations, reflecting global health and wellness trends, suddenly mm-hmm. stands as a... Prim- and, uh,
2: What's a no-nasty? What does that mean? Like, <laughs> no preservatives. Bleach. these are marketing <laughs> terms that
3: play to you know the, the feel like when when people used to think that there were preservatives in in beer mm. you know craft brewers always said no preservatives, and yet yeah. preservatives haven't you know true preservatives haven't been used in beer for, for ages but it's just playing to a perception but then you know it's just interesting to see the way that the media release that comes through um you know talks about it uh reflecting you know not being healthy um but the 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 way you get around saying it's healthy is it reflects global health and wellness trends, which is exactly what the big brewers used to say about um, low carb beer. You know, for people who want to live an active, healthy lifestyle, it 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 says it's healthy without actually saying it's healthy, so they don't get in trouble with a back and things. And also, they don't say that in their their own marketing. They say it in their media releases because that way, you know, it it it's described as a healthy alternative to to beer and so they, they they get the marketing done for them by people
1: who aren't subject to way back. matt uh, another comment from the facebook page
3: Yes, uh, so just an interesting comment. You know, um, you know, there were people going, you know, saying the usual "meh," um, yeah, "meh" when it comes to uh, seltzers. Um, people like Daniel, and then uh, Nick Stacey weighed in. Wow! So they copied White Claw's branding, marketing, and product. Zero points for originality, and you know, like, harsh. But you know, when when I saw the cans, there is a certain you know, if if There's you a squint <laughs> yeah, um, you a
2: familial resemblance some might say yeah that's interesting and we did a piece a couple of weeks ago about branding hard seltzers and how they all did look kind of similar but white tins yeah um, yeah pastely colors like pretty cute yeah, yeah very simple all that
3: kind of but stuff. when when you look at Sunly, um you know from a distance it does look very
1: similar
2: yeah could be anything on that one
1: yeah, but it is also emblematic, I think, of, um, I guess, this other modern predilection of uh, walking around looking for things to be offended by so that you can then post that you're offended and, you know, hope to get a spot on the dais of the uh, the Oppression Olympics. Um, at the end of the day, if it's not for you, jog on. Like, you don't have to love it. Um, but Ooh, it's there for those who do.
2: Harsh words, Pete.
1: Opportunities arise amid COVID crisis. The international lockdowns have provided maintenance technician Mitch Gibson with the opportunity to launch his own business, servicing packaging lines for local brewers. Gibson specialises in m keg fillers, which usually require technicians to be flown over from Europe. He said that the uh, with the global border closures, he's the only Australian-based technician who can effectively service the machines. Uh, brewers turned to package beer to make up for the overnight loss of on-premise sales, which saw mobile canners like East Coast Canning rushed off their feet as well as a greater interest in canning and bottling lines.
2: Yeah, and I think this is a really interesting one because obviously COVID's been crap for lots of reasons, but if there's a little silver lining that can come out of it, this will be it. So this lad, he's been in, in the game for a few years, and he was like, right, he got trained like a couple of years ago. Um, he went over to Germany and got trained. So he's like the only person that can do these specific keg fillers. There's not that many breweries in the country that do, but enough for this one guy to, you know, jump on that opportunity and, and go for it, really. And uh, yeah, good luck to him. I think it's an awesome little venture.
3: Yeah, it was. It was just a really nice little story that came out uh, speaking to Mitch that yeah. you know. It did create an opportunity for him, yeah. and uh, apparently we
2: need some positivity in the world right now. I think so. And, and not what everyone what can what...
3: make
1: acrylic screens, um, you know,
3: <laughs> for, 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 for checkouts and, <laughs> and hand sanitizer and hand sanitizer, and, yeah,
1: and, and one point five metre floor stickers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they seem say, they say to be the growth industries. But, uh,
3: I, I wonder if um, you know if you wanted some floor stickers or some one point five metre stickers for your cans, for example. Ooh. Did, 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 is, did are there any of? business opportunities that you can think of? Or
1: I'd probably defer to our good friends at Relling's Label Stickers and Packaging for that sort of information, Matt. The team at <laughs> Relling's will walk you through the various options available to you. And uh, you can give the guys a call on one 852 to find out more.
3: Lots of opportunities as brewers pivot to uh, Cairns uh, for them, no doubt. That's an op- that was an
1: opportunity I'm, of... I'm, uh, and I'm sh- I'm sure their stickers are as <laughs> seamless as our transitions into our ad reads. Yeah. What was that, Jimmy? I, was, I feel like someone should bring out
0: the social distancing like case of beer. It's one point five meters. One point five meters. Think of the mm. shelf space opportunity. <laughs> yeah. How long
3: was the Pabs P-
0: PBR? Oh, that
2: was that was. It was
0: pretty that long. It was quite long. Yeah. It was, that long. was a metre yeah. li- Well that was over, over a overkill. Yeah, mm. that
2: was silly, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, well, maybe Rallings can <laughs> help Rallings out there can somehow. help. Yeah,
2: yeah. repackage.
1: Yeah, well, no, because there's wastage you, you, there, because I think they round everything up, so all their stickers would be made in lots of 100, so oh, for every 99 box can, 99, there'd be one 99. left
2: 99. over. Oh, it, dra- <laughs> it drove me mad.
1: But you'll notice it didn't make the
3: news cut this week, because. Uh, but then again, it, it, it was interesting to see the number of people who said, well, oh, why are you covering this gimmick? You know, it's, just, it's just a gimmick. You're, going, well, You're we, the
2: one commenting. It, well,
3: <laughs> yeah, it, th- th- there was a lot of interest in it, not necessarily from craft beer drinkers, but the other thing is, let's face it, if we didn't report on gimmicks in the craft beer industry, there would be next to no news. So, you know, good for the goose, good for the gander. Um, once upon a time, I did sneer. You know, I could. Do you remember the. Um, what do we decide the cans were called that change colour when you put them in the fridge, Pete?
1: Yeah, thermochromatic, Therm-
3: maybe? I think that could be it. You know, when those yeah, just come out, matter. you know, as a young beer writer, I used to roll my eyes and sort of write sneering. But then it works. And, you know, you know just like independence, it matters until it doesn't. Gimmicks, you, and you hate them until suddenly they are the way. Until to another you, gimmick comes along that works for you, and you you, you sell your beer. So, um, yeah, uh, it, 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 it's have a bit of fun with it. Don't take it too seriously. It's just a big box of beer. That's
1: it. That's it. It, it it's it's you know it, it it grabs our attention, but then at the end of the day, you know Homer Simpson sees the squirrel, and all of a sudden we we all, we all just get distracted. Um, WSET, we set. WSET. The Wine and Spirit Education Trust, yes. The Wine and Spirit Education Trust, the world's largest global provider of wine, spirits, and sake qualifications, has announced its intention to develop a suite of beer qualifications. Um, They already offer qualifications in three subject areas wine, spirits, and sake, but they plan to add two beer qualifications, level one and level two, both online and in the classroom. So while development of these new qualifications is still in the very early stages, um, they're working in partnership with the IBD on this initiative. which, uh, which uh, looks really good. I, I think this is what we've been talking about for years, Matt, and it's been tried in small areas or, or you know, in, in sort of uh, small bites, but um, every little bit helps.
3: The WSET qualifications, you know, just about anyone I know who works in hospitality with a wine focus is studying or has studied um, towards that so it's a, it's a it's been a really successful way of encouraging people to learn more about wine if they're becoming serious about hospitality service from a wine point of view and um, you know we, we do have the um, Cicerone certification which uh, you know is, is very craft beer focused and you know some have said very uh, American focused um, so it's great to see the uh, that they have partnered up with the IBD. And again, the IBD has been um, trying to find a way that it can get into the training. It's had training for for a while, and I think they've had a beer sommelier course in in the UK for a while. Um, And you and I, Pete, have been involved in trying to do some training for them, gee, that that was almost a decade ago um, in in Australia. So it's nice to see they've partnered up. And, uh, you know, the more educated that hospitality people come uh, about beer... Um, you know, he's great. Um, and I'm just trying to find the comment. Well, one of our regular listeners and correspondents commented that, you know, he's going to stick with his Cicerone training rather than the WSET. He's done the WSET for wine, but he thinks the Cicerone um, is great for beer. The point that I would make to that is the number, like, the the Cicerone course is very beer-specialised. If the the Wine and Spirits Education Trust incorporates beer into Their other training, that will be great for hospitality generally, because the number of times you know, like I've spoken to wine people, and they've they've got zero knowledge about beer. They just don't regard it. They don't rate it. They they don't see it as anything interesting or even worth learning about. And this has a, you know, this probably has the ability to really take beer knowledge and mainstream it in terms of you know non specialized you know beer training.
0: Yeah, that's. that sounds great. I mean, I've used Cicerone to train staff before and it's really, really good, but it is completely beer-centric. Um, I think as we keep progressing in Australia with, you know, specialty venues and um I think the landscape of venues being not just taps hanging out of a wall and, you know, brewed on site, but it is wine, it is cocktails, it is spirits, it is beer. Seltzer. Uh, seltzer, absolutely. <laughs> um you know, if I could put someone through almost like a multi-category learning, um, you know, so they can at least get the basics of beer, wine, spirits, that would just make training, you know, so much, so much easier. As much as most venues just do it themselves and that's great because they've got their products there and they can train people on what they sell. But a general overview of everything is just, would just, I think it would bring the industry to a next level of service and knowledge and everything else. And I think a lot of staff, I mean, I've always had staff put their hand up for more training and more training, more training, because they just want to know more and more and more, but there's only so many hours in the day. And, you know, you're looking at do I, you know, how much do I pay them to come in and learn? And if there was something like, you know, the W set that covered beer as well, I'd be very inclined to put someone through, even if it was like an entry level category or something like that. Um, but in saying that,
1: Cicerone is great as well um, for getting people up to speed remotely. And it's also, I think, it's a response to as the as your clientele becomes more educated, uh, you do need to to have more of your staff, um, I guess, keeping up at the at, at similar levels. And there's so much information around that, um, you know, it, yeah, you do. I think that's an important part of um, the hospitality business. All right. Well, that's got everybody up to date with the news, in case you had missed it. Um, now it's time to dive into the mailbag. Now, don't forget, you can review us on iTunes or send us an email uh, to be in the draw for the letter of the week, and you can also join our Facebook group. Just search uh, Radio Brews News, and the uh, the code word is Soapbox. Uh, all letter writers will receive uh, Deb Bake's gingerbread gingerbread so, Radio with, our, news, with our gingerbread.
3: logo on, so you can eat it. We we are going to have to. We are working on merch, so yeah. Um, yeah, we'll probably yeah, just have to yeah, wait. We're get, we get
1: there. Um, and you will go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack, thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, who are very loyal and long-time sponsors of our letter of the week. Um, it be worth catching up with them too to see how things are going sort of as we come out of COVID, um, how they responded to the increase in online sales and, and presumably, uh, you know, the, the click and collect side of things as well. Um, but as I say, uh, feel free to leave us comments because that counts as sending us a letter. So the guys, uh, uh, Daniel, Joel and Nick Stacey, uh, who left us messages, um, in the draw for the letter of the week. Uh, we did get a review, Matt. Who wants to read that one out? Hop Heavyweight. Uh, we a did. Review.
3: Yeah. So if Hop Heavyweight wants to shoot us, uh, when he listens to this, uh, message us his, uh, postal address, we'll get something out to him. Um, or unprecedented, oh, sorry. Yes. Um. Uh, if if they could email us, um, unprecedented pivot to the new normal. Hey mm-hmm. team, Osbroe's News, long time listener, but only just converted to Apple Podcasts. Love your work and everything you do for the industry. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. So oh,
2: that's sweet, very man.
3: nice to be appreciated. Thank that you is nice. Pop
2: heavyweight. It
1: is. That's it. What's uh what's the tea for this week? No, is, is it <laughs> is,
2: what, nice is what's the
1: tea? Is it um is it tense? Uh, selective sort of. Can you have? So what's coming up?
2: Short answer, though, no. It's historic gossip.
1: Right. So what's happening this week, guys?
3: Um, What's happening this week? Well, actually, next week, uh, Pete, we were just saying off-air Tuesday. So this will come out today. Um, on Next Tuesday evening, uh, we're going to be doing it. We're the
1: 25th of June now. So Tuesday the 28th, 9th.
3: 28th, that sounds right. The, the last Tuesday isn't? in the last Tuesday in June. Um, we've got Pete Brown joining us for a very very special live podcast that will give everybody the chance to actually phone in and ask questions. We're just working out the mechanics of that, so we don't have you know like a million phone calls at once. We might get people to register their interest um, with their phone number, so we can call them um, and manage it that way. Um, and so you can ask your question. Um, very so very.
1: We get, can we get people to uh, ring in the gist of their their question? Uh well yeah we'll because we'll do we that. don't want to ring five people and then find out they all had the same question.
3: No no we'll we'll, we'll do that. Um but I, I, see I always worry that that makes it feel like we're vetting the questions. We don't want you know people to. But yes you you do make a good logistics point, Pete. So we'll uh <laughs> we'll work through those mechanics. But just get it in your diary. You don't, you
1: don't you don't make a good beer Matt, by just saying well let's just take all the ingredients and just throw them all in. You select so that the end product. of the product. ones
3: I've had recently, I think that that's exactly what they're doing. But But yes, you make a good point. But we will. How about we sort these details out off air mm-hmm. for now? Six o'clock Tuesday, um, six p.m. Tuesday. Uh, keep an eye on the Facebook group. Uh, you'll, you'll see all of the details. Um, but you'll have a chance to listen live as Pete discusses. His new book, Crafting an Argument, that was released yesterday, is now available on Amazon. Um, or there are other platforms you can buy it on if you are that vehemently under you know, anti-Amazon, that even though the <laughs> person who created the book...
1: Um,
2: is okay with it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> all right, that's all we've got time for. Uh, thanks very much, Matt. Thank you, Pete. Thank you very much, Claire. Cheers, Pete. And welcome back, and thank you very much, Jimmy. Thank you, Pete. It's good to be back. Good. Yeah, good to have you guys all on board. It's been a terrific chat. Hope you have all enjoyed it. Don't forget, drink fresh, drink local, and wash your damn hands. Ooh. Thanks very much for joining <laughs> oh, us. on so ruin you
2: ruined yeah. it. pointed at me. Because
1: <laughs> I've got to remember to thank uh, our very special uh, sponsors, Cryomalt to Rellings Label, Stickers and Packaging, and to the guys at Beer Cartel for making this all possible. And thank you again to you all for listening. This has been Good Brews Week. See you all next week. And we're out
2: no, i'm not doing it now <laughs> <I've> ruined it
1: <laughs> don't forget if you like what we do here at radio Bruce news you can help us out in a number of ways you can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation you'll find details in the show notes you can also review us on itunes or whatever your favorite podcasting service happens to be let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows